You're a funny guy, Sally. I like you. That's why I'm going to kill you last. What do you want to tell me now, tough guy? I said, Bing, what are you doing here? I thought I'd tell you to go fuck your mother. <laughs> you don't trust me at all, do you? I tell you what, you make it through tomorrow without killing anybody, then I'll start trusting you. Fair enough. Remember, Sally, when I promised to kill you last? That's what made you. You did. I lied. All right, this is Kill You Last. I'm Peter Garacci. I'm Alex Peshera. Uh In studio, we have comedian Tom Cassidy. Welcome, Tom. Hi, thanks for having me, guys. Of course. Yeah. Uh, you picked an interesting film. I'm very curious to see uh, why you picked this movie. I uh, chose the 1989 John G. Avildsen film, Lean On Me, starring yeah. uh, Morgan Freeman. And uh, I chose it because it's undeniably my favorite movie of all time. Really? Look yeah. at that. I That's love that so answer. interesting. Um, my favorite movie of all time was also directed by John G. Alveson. Oh, cool. This is The Karate Kid. Tight. And I'm, but I'm also a huge Rocky guy. It's hard for me to just say that Rocky is my favorite movie of all time, but Rocky yeah. mm-hmm. is my favorite movie thing sure. of all time, whatever category you want to put it, it yeah. into. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I didn't realize that he had directed it until I went back and rewatched it now for this. Mm-hmm. So amazing. Like, I'd, I'd love to hear more about your, your experience with this movie. Yeah, I mean, uh, see, I also didn't know that either. Like that he was the that he directed Karate Kid and uh, um, Rocky until I started. Like I, I like do research on it sometimes, but I mean, maybe I did know that, but I just it was something that escaped me until me doing like research for this podcast and like that. And I thought that was really cool because what a great director. Those yeah, are like, yeah, those movies are fucking amazing, all of them. Yeah. Uh, but I I think I saw that movie for the first time, like, the youngest I could have been was maybe, like, four or five, maybe? Well, no, it came out in 1989. Yeah. So I probably saw it, like, on tape in, like, 1990, 1991 or something. So I was, like, five or six at the time. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm from Philadelphia, and uh, there is a high school around the corner for me called Roxborough High School. And uh, it was, like, a bad school. It was yeah. like a bad high school. Like uh, my mom went there, and it was like okay in the seventies, and it like oh, progressively got worse. My like brother went there for a little bit, um, and my sister ended up going there, and she like was mad at my parents because she originally was going to like a Catholic high school, mm-hmm. yeah. and they like sent her there, uh, which was very convenient because it was around the corner, but it was like a dangerous school. So like, just one like funny story of like we were driving by that high school when I was a little kid, and my sister was in the car. And my mom was like, lock the doors. And my sister was like, you know you're sending me to this school, right? So oh, like, wow. it was like one of those <laughs> things. My mom's like, lock the doors. And my, mom, my sister's like, you send me to this school like, every, every day. day. I'm there. <laughs> um, but so like, I guess just from that being around the corner of me knowing it was a bad school, I think just like kind of added to why I like the movie. But I also just really like the movie. I think like... The actors in it are so good. Like, um, I always have trouble with Benson's last name. Oh, Robert Guillaume, yeah. You, I, like, s- some of the scenes with, like, him and Morgan Freeman, like, yeah. are, I think, some of the best scenes in movie history. Like, when he's like, I, I, like, 
your wife left you. I should leave you too. He's like, why don't you leave me? And he's yeah. like, I told you I'd walk through the fire with you. Like that <laughs> shit. Like that shit hits me, man. It hit me back then, and it still hits me now. Yeah, I was a huge Benson fan when I was a kid. Yeah. I used to watch Benson all the time, and I, it's funny because I didn't. I didn't. Uh, Sorry, what's Benson? Benson was a. Sh- uh, it was a sitcom in the early '80s where um, Robert Guillaume plays the butler to the governor. Oh, oh wow! And I've it's never heard of. This. So it's about like it's about like the governor's like staff in the mansion so it's not really about the politics of it it's about like the interpersonal lives of the people who work for the governor got it and benson was the lead character as as the butler he played like like a smart ass butler yeah yeah. like i never really got super into that show but and uh seinfeld famously was on it yeah was fired oh and he was so (laughs) bad that they were like they couldn't get rid of him soon enough really so yeah so he thought that's hilarious he thought his tv (laughs) career was done before it even started i think he did like two or three episodes and they're like get rid of this fucking guy he can't act yeah he is bad and um, still not a good actor i remember so i grew up in jersey and i actually grew up in elizabeth new jersey which is not too different from patterson so this movie Mm -hmm. takes place in patterson it's based on a, a real guy uh um, Joe, we Clark. Know the Joe, Clark. Joe Clark. Clark yeah. So it's funny because um, I grew up in inner city Elizabeth, New Jersey, and we moved away uh, at, for, uh, after fifth grade. Mm-hmm. So I actually went to gifted and talented school in Elizabeth because it was not safe to go to regular elementary school, oh, okay. let alone high school. Mm-hmm. And even in the gifted and talented school, it was not dangerous, but you know there were fights, there was whatever. Sure. And uh, it was still a public school, but you had a place into that school. Elizabeth High School is a fucking war zone. Like they have they have yeah. a they have a dedicated police force. When to did the you high go school. there? I, well, I, we moved away fifth grade, and so I just it would there would have been a question like if we had not moved, it's mm-hmm. like where are we going to go to high school? Because yeah. we can't just go to Elizabeth high school mm-hmm. yeah uh but it's funny because then we moved away and then i remember this is the movie where i re- this is where like morgan freeman became a star yeah so he had been around for he'd actually already been nominated for an oscar which people don't even realize he was nominated in like 87 for really there's a really cool movie called street smart mm-hmm. and um he plays like a pimp and christopher reeve fucking rest in peace i love christopher reeve superman Superman, Christopher Lee, plays a reporter, and he decides to... I don't remember the exact plot of the movie, but he decides to, like, he's going to write some story about, like, a, a real, like, gritty story. And so he gets caught up in, like, like with this pimp who's, like, like now his, like, life's in danger. Because I guess he, he like... I, forget, I, I don't know if he, like, like invented a story, like, he plagiarized something. Mm-hmm. But, like, Morgan Freeman plays a pimp in the... In the um, he's, he plays a really bad dude, and he's, he's fucking great in it. But then, like, the Morgan Freeman, then he does, like, right back to back to back, he does, like, a ton of movies where yeah, he became and, a huge star. And actually, 89, which was the year Lean On Me comes out, yeah. he did Glory, and he also did Driving Mrs. Daisy. Yeah, wow. and, 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 and I feel like by time you get to un, by the by time you get to Unforgiven, which is one of my all-time favorite movies, mm-hmm. it feels like he's, like, entrenched in Hollywood, and it's two years later. Yeah. yeah. He, I also, not that I'm, like super old but i love it when people pop when they're old too yeah like, so he was that. he was almost 50 years old when this That's movie crazy. comes out yeah, yeah yeah i think he was 52 i think he was like i i just did that math now from yeah. looking at it but uh yeah i mean that's crazy that's so rare mm-hmm. that that happens in hollywood entertainment so it's really, interesting anything. so so i remember i'm a huge like uh i love sam jackson in fact i, I just went back and I've, I've watched like jackie brown three times in the last so like month good. i fucking love that movie yeah. i watched that in theaters and um yeah. oh, i did i was i'm a huge tarantino guy but Sam Jackson's another one, and I remember reading an article with Sam Jackson because Sam Jackson also like he was just around mm-hmm. forever, mm-hmm. and then he breaks with uh, Pulp Fiction, which is ninety four. 
but he had been like like Morgan Freeman was acting in the seventies. He was like on a PBS show in in the seventies. Yeah, like he was electric, on the Electric Company. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And I remember Sam Jackson saying like there was a there was a couple of uh, black actors that were all theater guys. Yeah. And they were kind of like waiting for their turn in Hollywood. Yeah. And it was always like, who's gonna go? Is it gonna be me? Is it gonna be Denzel? Is it gonna be Morgan? And like all those guys end up being like superstars. Yeah. And it actually kind of happened. Like Denzel too. Like Denzel was around for a while, but mm-hmm. then he starts doing movies with Spike Lee, and then Denzel becomes a huge star. Sure, he at least was pretty young though. Like those dudes. Yeah, are he's old Denzel is younger. Yeah, but yeah, like Morgan Freeman, I I always group him with with Sam Jackson because mm-hmm. they kind of had a similar thing where they were they were known quantities like in the business, but the business didn't know what to do with him yet. Yeah, and then they just fucking when they had the opportunity, they just hit it out of the park. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, to your point. Like Lawrence Fishburne was on Pee Wee's Playhouse. Yeah, too. So, that's yeah. why. Well, no, he what? was. He's in Apocalypse Now at thirteen years old. Oh wow! He lied about his age. He's one of the soldiers. Lawrence Fishburne. He's thirteen in Apocalypse. I'm now. correct about Lawrence Fishburne being yes, the one on Cowboy, Pee Wee's. Cowboy yeah, Curtis. Yeah, 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 Wasn't yeah, yeah. he also in a movie we just did, Peter, as uh, a young, young, young guy? Probably. Fuck. He, he did. Was it Fast Times? No, no. That, that's Forrest uh, Whitaker. Forrest Whitaker. But yeah. he's like really young in that. Yeah. Yeah. No, Lawrence Fisher was another one that it took him a while yeah. to um mm-hmm. excuse me, uh to break. But yeah, I just remember at this time in my life when I was like watching like this was a movie that I I watched at that time cause, and I also was like, Oh shit, like I in another world I could have been going to yeah. that high school. And then he was Joe Clark was in the news because he then took over like a, a juvenile detention center in Newark, mm-hmm. and it was very controversial because I mean, that is rough. He's this guy, he's this guy like he he is like the disciplinarian. That's re- the reason why he got the job. Mm-hmm. And I forget, there was some other controversy where he was like went overboard or something, and they like yeah. got rid of him again. So he was just like around in the news, like in Jersey at the time that I was. Yeah, I think he's still up. alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's pretty crazy, That's but awesome. so the John G. Ellison thing is interesting too because he, he, he like a weird career. Like he started with like kind of like exploitationy movies, mm-hmm. and then he does Rocky, which I mean I guess is kind of a you know small budget could have been sort of an exploitation. They movie. did that quick too, yeah, like a cheap little movie. And um, famously, um, I don't I don't know a lot of people know this. He got fired off of Saturday Night Fever. Because John Travolta didn't want that movie to be another Rocky. Okay. Like, Travolta wanted that movie to be dark, mm-hmm. and he didn't want, like, because John G. Alveson comes in, and there's always a happy ending, no matter how bad. Yeah. Like, when you think about every, every movie he did, Karate Kid, Rocky, uh, The Power of One, which is another, like, great movie. This one? Yeah. This one, it's always, like, happy it's ending. really bad, and then there's, you know, you know everything triumphs, and it's a happy yeah. ending. And Travolta was like, no, this is a dark movie, and I want it. And it is, Saturday Night Fever, like, people don't realize, like, how dark that movie actually is. Yeah, I can't ever tell, like, because I, I watched it not that long ago, and it's like, I can't tell if they're, like, in on the joke or not. No. And, like, I think that's the point of it, and I guess they are, but I think it's, like, it's brilliant, and I think Travolta yeah. is brilliant in that movie. But yeah, it is, crazy. it gets remembered for the suit uh-huh. and the music, sure. and people don't go back and actually watch the movie and see how heavy it actually yeah, is. Yeah, that's a crazy fucking movie. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fucking amazing. I think that's one of the all-time, like, greats. But, uh, yeah, John G. Albertson, like, he is, I don't know, he, he just passed away a couple of years ago. Okay. And uh, just, what, he's not a guy that you think about. He, he won Best Director for Rocky, mm-hmm. and he just kind of had a, a cool career. And he also, like, one thing he did that I thought was really cool is he would, uh, he would film all the rehearsals. So there's, like, Super 8, uh, oh, that's tape sick. of all. So, like, you could he, you basically you could watch a Super Eight of 
of all of Karate Kid just from the rehearsals of the movie. Like okay. he literally would film the whole movie on Super 8. Where can you find this stuff? On, on YouTube. Oh, really? And the same thing with Rocky. Like all the rehearsal oh, stuff so is cool. on – like there's – there's uh, he had Stallone choreograph the fights and then he recorded on Super 8 so that they could rehearse the fights. Oh, cool. So for months before they were shooting, they would, they would have the fights – they would work on the fights every day. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, it just, I just think, I feel like it's like a really smart – Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. especially when a guy like comes up like this, where he's like kind of coming up in like like low budget stuff, you have to like whatever tricks you could. Uh, he seems like a blue collar director, if yeah. that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, he's not like a real artsy fartsy about stuff. He's like, all right, we got this is a project we have to do. We don't have a lot of money. We don't have a lot of time. He's just an American director. Yeah, he's yeah, like a real yeah. like yeah. This well movie. Said. It's funny because this movie this is, is an real, American movie. It's a real American eighties movie. Absolutely. And um, I love this movie. And this is one of those things, Peter, that you we always talk about. It's not drenched in irony. This movie is what it is. It's earnest. It's like yeah, it's completely earnest, and it's not. You're not like uh, nowadays. You make stuff, and it has to be like tongue in cheek, or it has to be like ironic. Mm-hmm. But this was like made, and it's just it is what it is, and it's great. You know what I mean? I don't I, know. There's a lot of interesting Especially stuff with movies. I think. Today. I mean, there's a lot of stuff you have to like. I wonder what was real and what's like movie of stuff. Course. Oh sure, yeah. I think it's really. I mean, it's it, it's an interesting movie because like like inner city. This is a, it's a touchy subject. Like inner city schools, mm-hmm. like crime, like. I mean, this school, it, it, like, it even, I mean, the, the movie even touches on it. Like, yeah. these are these are schools that are predominantly black and Hispanic, yeah. and there's a lot of yeah, problems. Yeah, they do more than touch on it. I mean, they get, yeah, yeah I mean. And but, they get to the, like, the villain in the movie is a black mom, which is, oh, like, yeah, a really true, yeah. interesting, like, choice, like, politically, like, that's a, like, that's a, again, that's a choice. Like, yeah. they could have made some, some rich old white guy. Mm-hmm. Who wants to convert this school into a charter school? And you know, like as the, the mayor, for example, is like kind of a dickhead too. Like she, like yeah. he's not like a good guy either. Like, but yeah. she is like the person who's like stirring shit up and stuff. But I feel like the political, like I, my family's in, like my mom's a teacher, my aunts are teachers, my sister's a teacher. I almost became a teacher. Mm-hmm. Like the politics me of too. how schools work is very interesting to me. Yeah, and not everyone always has the kids' best interests. At heart, mm-hmm. yeah, and a lot of times, like, there's, it's very easy to just go with the flow. Like, yeah. this is the way we've always. And I, it's like me, like, I mean, maybe, I mean, we're all comedians here. Like, we're we're clearly not big into like institutional stuff, or else we would have chosen a profession that wasn't so individualistic. Sometimes I think it's like just down to like little split second decisions, man. Because like I don't know how close you became to becoming a teacher, yeah. but like I like majored in it for like my first semester, like when I like transferred to a school. And then, like, the first teacher I had on teaching just, like, sucked. Oh, shit. So I was just like, I don't want to do this. And, like, (laughs) who knows if that teacher was, like, a good teacher. Yeah. I might have been a teacher for a few years at least. But, like, uh, I mean, I I guess I didn't definitely didn't want it that bad because if I did, I would probably have. So I I didn't want I didn't want to get any job out of college. So Uh I really like I majored in religion, Uh and people like people like, what are you going to do with that? I'm like, I I don't know. I was I would tell people like I was going to be. I told people one I was going to become a carpenter, mm-hmm. and two I told people that I was going to um, I was going to start a pretentious thing to say. I was going to I, I said I was going to start an artisanal uh, um, <laughs> the worst uh, trail mix company, mm-hmm. and people were like I have this thing where people believe what I say, yeah. so people were like, oh okay, artisanal yeah, yeah. trail mix. Matter of fact, yeah. So a couple of years of like floating around, I decided to apply to uh, New, Jer- uh, New York Teaching Fellows. Uh-huh. So it's like Teach for America just for New York City, and I got an offer, and. Uh, 
turned it down to go to acting school. Okay. So, I mean, is that, was that a crazy idea? I mean, on paper, yeah, sure, it's nuts. They mm-hmm. would have paid for me to get a master's, would have got a salary. Like, but it was also like in a bad part of Brooklyn. It's tough. That's yeah. tough, dude. I know some people that have done like the <clears throat> Teach for America. A good friend of mine And have been, it. yeah, put in like the South Bronx and it is brutal. Dude. Yeah. A yeah. good friend of mine was in uh, Houston and he just moved back to New York City. Uh, he's still a teacher, but he's, he was in like – he stayed at his like Teach for America school yeah. for years. Yeah. One of my like old girlfriends was a teacher in like the Philadelphia public schools – and it's definitely a crazy fucking yeah. place, man. Um, well, so like the controversy in the movie, which is based on real life, is that he decides to kick all the bad kids out. He kicks three hundred kids out. Yeah, I think which and, and again, like my aunt still teaches at Elizabeth High School. Oh no, she just retired a year ago. Like knowing people who've taught in tough schools, mm-hmm. the number one problem they have is th- is they're doing discipline all day long. Yeah, like they can't teach. Because they're spending all day long dealing with the bad kids. Yeah. So, like, that's what made, you know, Joe Clark controversial. Yeah. But he's fuck. he's right. Like, he literally is the biggest problem. And it worked. And I even mean. in the beginning, I love, like, it's so, uh, I don't know if I'm using ham-fisted right, but, like, in the beginning of, like, when something had, I don't even really understand, really, the beginning, even though I've watched this movie a thousand times, where they, like, <laughs> sell him out or something when it's, like, a good school in the 60s. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. What does And then there's that 20-year wipeover, and just the school's a fucking war zone. Yeah. Yes. And Welcome to the Jungle Which is, is so playing. on the nose. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, the yeah. fucking teacher's getting his head bashed in, and girls are getting their shirts ripped off in the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. It's so fucking crazy. The drug dealer's handing him the fucking suitcase, and he's <laughs> opening it, and it's just, like, uh, it was. It's just such a crazy beginning to a movie, too. And like, I really do think they they show like schools. Like, it's so crazy how fucked up schools are. Man. It really is. Like, yeah. Especially how they can get, and they still are. Yeah. Which, like, but like in the eighties, crack and like Oof. all that shit, man. It's just like so fucking nefarious. I so we moved to uh literally to a farm when we left Elizabeth, mm-hmm. and so like regional high school, like really small, and. The scene where the girl gets uh, assaulted in the girl's bathroom, mm-hmm. like something like that happened in my high school. Mm-hmm. Like, and it, it like watching it, like, kind of like brought back like shudders. Like, there was a, there was two girls were fighting about something, and apparently the one girl was like, like she was like known for like having nice hair, I guess. Yeah. And so the, the a group of other girls pinned her down in the in the girl's bathroom and cut her hair off. Oh shit! And it was oh this God. huge thing in my school. That's and horrible, I actually remember. Dude. And I actually remember like I like the like some of the other girls in my school were like, oh, you know, it's that sucks, but it's not that big of a deal. I was like, that's like a violation. That's like a sexual assault. Like to hold somebody down and like take their hair from them yeah, yeah. is like assault imagine you did that to like an adult and these you know other girls I mean? these other girls were like well i don't think it's like that and, and it's funny because like fast forward to 2020 and now like what assault is has completely yeah. changed like right. now like like when i was a kid like you heard somebody got assaulted like they had bruises right. and now you hear assault and it's like well i i realized later that i i was assault i'm like no, back in the 80s when you got assaulted, like everyone saw it on your face and was like, what happened? Why do you have so many black and blues? Yeah, man. There was no question about whether or not you got assaulted. Yeah, I think the pendulum <laughs> shifted too much, but to be fair, man, people were doing some crazy fucked up shit back then. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. People. I like, always say it's like it's definitely gone too far, but it's also generally moving in a great positive direction yeah. for, for humanity. Well, so people I, are too I, sensitive, but, yeah, also, but also people were fucking getting called faggots. <laughs> yeah, and like, so, yeah. Just, so I have a joke about... Absolutely. Like Shit. Karate Kid, because like 
have you seen Cobra Kai, the new show? I have a joke about Karate Kid too. I don't, I don't do it a lot, but like, okay. I don't even mind using it on here because I don't really even use it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like, the, have you seen the new show Cobra Kai? Uh, I watched like the first episode. It's really good. I haven't seen the second season, but the first season like is it's way better than it had any business being. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're like, oh, what, they're gonna revisit Karate Kid. It, yeah. It's it's really well done. It's by it's made by people who clearly love the movie. Mm-hmm. And um, I was thinking about it. I was like, something is like this is good, but something is off. And I realized that like the the bullies in the '80s were like way scarier, and oh, I yeah, think it's because they're all they were all on coke, like they all they're all like red face, and they're like in the movie they're like gonna they're threatening to kill a classmate, yeah. and the teachers are like please don't kill each other, mm-hmm. and now it's like these bullies like everyone's on like Paxil, like all the kids are like mellowed out, so even the bullies are like real mellow now, yeah, like hey man I'm gonna kick I'm gonna kick the shit sure. out of you, bro. It's <laughs> like, more like it's more it's shifted to like I'm sure there's. Plenty of physical abuse that still happens in schools and sure. stuff, but it's a lot of it is like emotional, like cyber online. bullying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. Back then, you got like you got punched, and then everybody moved on. Yeah, Twenty One Jump Street and yeah. Twenty Two Jump Street did a really good job of like yes. showing how things have changed too. In, yeah, in movies. Well, I, I mean, I watched the show. Like, I remember, like, I would stay up with my babysitter and watch Twenty One Jump Street, mm-hmm. and I was like, I rem- like that's where I learned about everything. It was like yeah, yeah, yeah. the kid, like kid with AIDS, like. Uh, you know, date rape, like all these, like they were like every episode was like the pressing issue that week, and it was like it took place in a high school, so they it was all like kids going through that shit. So like yeah, that show was like on the cutting edge of that shit too. And I would say I think Twenty Two Jump Street is like the best sequel of all time. Oh, I see. I never saw movies. it. I oh, saw, it's I saw great. the first one. But you I gotta saw- watch them. Both really? of them. Well, no, I saw, I saw 21 good. Jump Street. I think 22 Jump Street, just for like sheer laughs and stuff, Yeah, I think it's like one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. Really? And I think all they do is just make it better than they did the first, the first and one. And those yeah. no both shit. of those movies kind of had no business being good either. Me, I, Of course, they had budgets and big actors, but it's just like yeah. you could see that flopping. That writer has written some pretty good stuff. I can't remember what else he's done. Do but, you know his uh, name? Or, uh, uh, no, no, I forget. No. But yeah. uh, Jonah Hill is fucking so Oh, he's so good. Comedic yeah, actor. Yeah. 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 But... Uh, yeah, man. High school was. Uh, yeah, this movie got me thinking. Makes about me uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, that's like a running theme here. Like I, I just, I don't know. You I'm didn't have it. a good time in high school. I, I, sometimes I did, and sometimes I didn't. I don't know. I feel I like know. you have some dark high schools. Tom, no. did you? How were you in high school? I'm I like, curious about this. Like I like you know, I tried to be cool, but like I wasn't. Like I mean, like I guess I like had like cool friends, but I would like more so like hang on to them or whatever. Right. And, like I would like sit at like the cool table, but like. Not really. Like I'd be there, but they'd be like, "Fucking beat it," or like they they would accept it, but like it would okay. just be that, or like sometimes. But I don't know, man. I was just trying to fit in and fucking be cool. What but type I, of school were you at? Was it like a? It was a Catholic school. I went to Catholic school oh, me for too. twelve years. But me I mean, too. I was oh, funny though. Like I definitely was like a class clown and like would make the class laugh. There but like go. that was my in. You're probably cooler than you. You're painting the picture right now. I mean, I didn't get like chicks or anything like that. That's what I like equate mm, cool with in high school, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I was like, kind of what... I was terrified of girls. What? Yeah, I like loved them, but I was like <laughs> so scared to like. You just remember how like terrifying yeah. it was to just like talk yeah. to a woman, oh yeah. a girl. It, like, was a, it was such a big fucking deal. Yeah, like if you made out with someone at a party, that yeah. was like your year. Also, it's like it's crazy. you like fucking like could just be like so ashamed of yourself. Like the first time I kissed a girl was in eighth grade, and then the next time I like made out with a girl was like twelfth grade. 
So no. like, yeah, dude. So like, ninth, yeah. tenth, eleventh, like, just oh. like I'm just this fucking kid, and that shit adds up after a while. Yeah, that's torture. And man. then yeah, I, mean, I feel that right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those years, that's so important. Like, it, well, it just feels that important. I would like also like I would be like corny. Like I would like. <laughs> go after like or like like the like hottest girl me too this me is, too we talked about yeah. it all the time i that was my my the biggest girl my school. biggest regret in high school is that she like had a boyfriend she was single for like half a day mm-hmm. and then she had another boyfriend right. and so i was like oh god i missed my opportunity yeah. so rather than just like move on because i'm obsessive mm-hmm. i basically just obsessed over her for the rest of high school there was a girl that i liked in ninth grade who was, like, beautiful, and, like, she liked me, and we were cool, and her friend came up to me one day and was like, do you like her? And I was like, no, I like yeah. you. <laughs> no! Like, oh, and, I was just, and I didn't even, I was just, like, terrified. Like, I didn't know what to say, and it just, like, panicked. Like, so, like, so like sometimes stuff like that happened, or, like, girls that, like, I didn't like would, be, like, like me, and then, like, they'd be super hot, like, a year later, and, like, they'd be like, fuck you, I don't want to talk to you Right, now. yeah. So, like, uh... <laughs> It was just like wait. Yeah. The girl came up to you. and Her was friend setting came it up. up to me and was like, you froze, "Do you man. like you, her?" You choked. You choked under pressure. Like, no, I like you. And like it was just oh like, oh my god. Yeah. And she knew I didn't. And like and then it was just like, all right, well, what the fuck? So it was just like one of those things. Like <laughs> you made it so much worse. Yeah, man, it was a nightmare. Oh my I, god, that's I feel so like it's funny. one of those things where it's that's like so you know, like practice makes perfect. But like every scenario with a different girl was like a new scenario. So it's like mm-hmm. if you had like if you had five girls to try the same. Like to try out five times, like I think you could perfect yeah, what it means course, to not be. No, no, no something like that. But that's why that's why I high school. But that's why high school is so awkward. Is that yeah. you're you're going in cold every time, uh-huh. so you don't like like because you and you always. I mean, my response was always like, "Oh fuck, dude! If I had to, if I had this to do over again, mm-hmm. I would clearly do it a different way." Yeah. But then the next scenario was slightly different, and it caught me off guard again. Uh-huh. Like I was never prepared for whatever scenario was in front of me. Yeah. So there was, I, I put high school with 7th and 8th grade because I went to, like, a continuous school. So mm-hmm. it was all the same kids from 7th grade to 12th grade. And um, I remember in 7th grade, there was a girl that, that kind of sucks. Sorry, just because, yeah. like, there's embarrassing you, shit you probably do when you're, like, 12 in 7th grade that, like, you wish wouldn't carry on well, with you through even, all like, of high school. We went to, like, mm-hmm. an elementary school, so it was everybody in 6th grade. Uh-huh. And then it was three elementary schools that combined for high school. Mm-hmm. So you're pretty much with people the whole time. The whole time. Anyway. Damn, that's And rough. it was a girl, yeah. and I liked her. And I remember she had a boyfriend, but she was already planning her next boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And it was me and my best friend, Tommy Fisher. Mm-hmm. And Tommy goes... He, he sounds goes, like a dreamboat, by the yeah, way. He, he was yeah, very he beautiful, bl- beautiful blue eyes, yeah. blonde hair. He was a, a great guy. I, nice I body. It. He moved away in like ninth grade, but so I, I'm sure. I hope he's doing well. But Tommy. Uh, he uh, he comes up to me and he goes, he goes, listen, Anna told me that she's going to tell me the second that she breaks up with her boyfriend, so that I can ask her out immediately, so that you don't get to her first, so that she doesn't have to tell you no. Okay. And I was so, <laughs> I was so oh, upset. Yeah. That is hurtful. And the worst part is the following year, we're in class. And at this point, I'm over her. It was Anna. And I'm over her. Uh-huh. And But we're just like – we're, we're like in class. We're like shooting the shit in class. And she goes, I had such a crush on you last year. How come you never – and I'm like, you fucking bitch. Tommy played you? Or uh, no, I maybe think, Tommy made it up. Yeah, no, maybe, I, I don't think Tommy played I'm me. I'm with Tom. I think that she – 
at a at a different time uh-huh. did like me uh-huh. and it was like like our our like crushes didn't match yeah like mm. like schedule wise highly sure. skeptical i don't know I, it's either that tommy played you or she's just like gets off on saying that because she, she might have been because she knew you liked her hot girls have so much power it's crazy it's and in high school it's unbelievable it's it, it's, it's crazy. i literally felt like i was talking to like gods like <laughs> yeah I, like also like and i'd be like cool with girls and stuff and like I just remember, like, one girl who was cool. She was, like, a year older than me. Yeah. And, like, I would just talk to her, and she'd be like, can you stop looking at my boobs? Like, it would be, like, some shit like that. I like, and I yep. wouldn't even mean to. It would just be, like, I couldn't not, almost. Like, it was just, like, it's also like being your a physi- ninth grader. Yeah, your physiology. You're, you're fucking exploding sexually. The, <laughs> girl, the, girl, that I li- the girl that I liked uh, <laughs> in high school, she uh, – this, and this kills me to this day – before you tell us, isn't this nice that this is what we have to worry about at our white high schools? I am. Which girl doesn't our like heads us. bashed in and fuck, yeah. Well, I mean, there was fight. I was gonna the next thing I, topic yeah, I was gonna fights, bring yeah. up is like fighting in high school because I got I got into some fights too. Mm-hmm. But uh, the girl that I had a crush on, she had like a stalker who showed up at her house, mm-hmm. and then another guy Whoa. who like liked her showed up at this like right afterwards and so like the creepy older guy got scared off so she ended up dating the second guy who mm-hmm. was like sort of a good samaritan in that situation and like the lesson i learned from that is like if you're slightly nicer stalker mm-hmm. then yeah, you get no, the girl not a good lesson yeah. so i was always <laughs> like i'm like oh shit if i had if i had just shown up at her house mm-hmm. then everything would have been amazing <laughs> yeah man should have hit under that bush <laughs> <laughs> we also like it was like a like it was a regional high school, so some of my friends live like t- ten miles away. Uh-huh. I oh, that's another thing. I, I wish I lived where I could like ride my bike to a girl's house. I think I would have been better outside of school. Yeah, do you know what I mean? If you just like sh- like you were in the neighborhood, because hey, like the school itself has a lot of pressure. Yeah, because everybody see they, they see you talking to a girl or mm-hmm. oh yeah, you know what I mean. Like, oof. but if we were like in a neighborhood, like I, that was like my. When people like complain about like oh the suburbs suck, I'm like suburbs sound like a dream. You mean yeah. you mean you got to ride your bike to your friend's house? Like I went to high school in the suburbs, but I lived in the city. So oh. like, and that that's what's funny. And then like I didn't go to the high school around the corner for me because everybody in the bad neighborhood was shipped to that high school. Yeah. So like people in bad neighborhoods in Philadelphia were shipped to my high school that was around the corner, and then I went to a Catholic school on the main line that was like 25 minutes a half an hour away from my house. Yeah. And I had like, a similar situation where yeah. I had a really bad school in my public. Uh, it was East Rampo High School. Probably not as bad as the one in Philly. Where's that at? It's in uh, Rockland County. Okay. You know where like Luis Gomez is from? Okay. Uh, ar- around there. Uh, Mike Cannon's also from Rockland. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a few really nice parts of Rockland. Mm-hmm. And then there's a few really, really like shitty areas of Rockland. Like in terms of school districts and like kind of like poverty. Um, and... Technically, I my address was New City, uh, which is so New City, New York, which is one of the nicer, like really, really like the um, I believe, yeah, the high school would would be Clarkstown North, which is like this really rich uh, upper middle class white suburban high school, like huge school, what you would think of a suburban, you know, New York City high school, but. Since my address said that, but my school zone, I lived in this weird Venn diagram area where I fell into East Ramapo School District, which was like metal detectors, people there, uh, you know, there was a girl who was pregnant there, uh, someone got stabbed there once, it mm-hmm. was like not a good school. If so you I put went the Cap- cages up, they're going to act like animals. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's another Morgan Freeman quote. Well, yeah. that school reminds me, I mean, I, I used to go there for like 
baseball practice and other types of shit. Like, because they it was the closest field to me, and I played in like that little league district and all that type of shit. And so I used to see that I used to be around that school, and I knew people that went to that school. And it reminded when I watched this movie, it really did. It wasn't as bad, obviously. The movie's like really like Mm -hmm. intense, but a lot of it, like the graffiti, the fucking just blatant disregard for the teachers, like it's this movie did a really good job, like of painting that picture because I I I definitely had that experience. Yeah, you know, going going to Catholic school twenty minutes away was not too bad, honestly. I like it's funny. I was I was not like a bad kid, but I was like mouthy and I was like rebellious. But like the older I get, the less I tolerate kids who are like what I was as a kid. Mm -hmm. Like I've become more like authoritarian and disciplinarian in my in my old age. So like, do you deal with children a lot? No, but I I have. I, I was I was a camp counselor for a while, yeah. and that, that was like my first exposure. Was like, oh, I'm like the guy who's like fucking cracking down. Like the yeah. other the other counselors were like, oh, whatever, dude. I'm like, no, no, no it's not whatever. Mm-hmm. And I, I <laughs> all right, calm down. I dude. even um, he's the Joe Clark of it. Yeah, I yeah. even um, I did a program where we took kids to Italy. Mm-hmm. Wow! And it was, I think it was three weeks, and it was four adults and like thirteen kids. Mm-hmm. And it was it was rough because in Italy, like a thirteen year old can walk in McDonald's and order a beer. Mm-hmm. So we found out later that they were like drinking, and like one kid actually had to be sent back to America because oh, wow. he was a danger. Like he he chugged a bottle of vodka mm-hmm. on the day we went to the beach mm-hmm. and passed out in the sun on the beach. <laughs> and I just remember just being like, and I I had like a sit down because the the woman who was like in charge of the whole program, she was a fucking disaster, and she ended up leaving. Just be like, I can't take this anymore. And I was like, bye. See you later. And she kept, it's funny because she kept saying, um, she was always on my nuts because she thought that I was like defying her. But meanwhile, the other, other people that worked there were like, would say stuff behind her back, but never like actually say it to her face. So mm-hmm. she thought I was the only one mm-hmm. that was like, I was the thorn in her side. Yeah, meanwhile, the she's the problem. Mm-hmm. But she kept saying, she goes, I'm a licensed teacher in Philadelphia. That's what she, that was her line. Mm-hmm. Any, anything she said, she goes, I'm a licensed school teacher in Philadelphia. I was yeah. like, that's, Great. We're in, we're in Italy now. Yeah. <laughs> we're at camp in Italy. <laughs> and um, I remember having like a sit down with the kids because they were they were being they, they were being bad, but they were also right that she was like coming mm-hmm. down on them. Mm-hmm. And I basically was like, I was like, listen, you, I was like, you guys, you, this is what you got to do. Like you got to you got to do all the right stuff. You do what you're supposed to do, and then you can go and have fun. Mm-hmm. And then and so that's kind of like if I was a school principal, that would be like my motto. Mm-hmm. If you know if the walls are clean and there's no drug dealing and everything is like regimented in that way, then we can have fun. But yeah. and that's why I think that that's like that's like a, that's like the philosophy of Joe Clark in this movie is that how like if you're in chaos, how can you expect anything but chaos? Yeah, you have to at least provide some order in order for the kids to thrive. And another one of my favorite parts of the movie of just like um, him being kind of like such a dickhead to the teachers. Mm. And, like, you know, there's a lot of different scenes with the teachers of, like, him firing the music teacher. Yeah. <laughs> there's so many good – I mean, the movie's called Lean On Me, one of the greatest songs of all time, yes. first of all. And then there's so many good musical parts of this movie. Oh, like yeah, multiple. When they – so he fires the music teacher, and then he uh, – the, the new music teacher – Makes up that new uh, school model, mo- uh, like a, a, a new version of, of the school model. They do it in the bathroom. I mean, I think that's such a fucking good scene, and it shows also how much of a psycho he is. Of like 
where he drags them into the music teacher's uh, Literally classroom. by the collar. Like, he bangs the kid against the piano, and he's like, did you change the school? Uh, yeah. And she's like, I just thought. And he was like, take a bow, Mrs. Powers. Like, he was just he's fucking with her. He's such an asshole. It, like, no, but he, I mean, that, that was his way of like... He, I mean, it really. Does I get it, but he good. like terrified her. In that oh movie. yeah, she was and, about but, to cry. And and then my fate. One of my other favorite parts about that movie is right after that, he's like in a good mood because like he likes the song and stuff. Yeah. And he's like walking by. I think it's right at this point. He's walking down the hallway, and he just says to a student who's like in his locker. It's just such a funny little line. Like, what do you got in there, Malachi? And he's like, my future. <laughs> Um, yeah. <laughs> it's such a funny line. It's like a dream. He's like in a dream. State. Now that I think yeah, about it, so I, was happy. A, I was a restaurant manager for years, and like waiters in restaurants are fucking high school kids. Like they're mm-hmm. literally they act just like they're in high school. Like I don't mean that they were the age of high school. I, I like, hear they all kind of fuck each other a lot of times. Is but that there's, true? There's just a lot of. I hear that from waiters and bartenders. It's an un, it's it's a mm-hmm. it's a dege- they do right. It's mm-hmm. an un, unhealthy fun. work environment. But yeah, um, sounds fun. Every owner I've. Yes. Ever met? It does a lot of cocaine too. Generally, yes. Oh, restaurants. restaurants, owners of restaurants and comedy so this was clubs, so. Definitely. I was so naive that I didn't I know, know restaurants that. were. I didn't know that restaurants were where you went to go get coke. Like I didn't know that that's like people went into like until Ben Affleck. Asked Do me they for drugs. really? Well, yeah, I'll, yeah. You should tell Tom that. Story I'll tell, real I'll quick. tell it off the mic because okay. I've t- already told it on it. But it's um, a great story. But yeah, no. Man. So like, even when being a manager, like, and that's another thing that kind of bothered me about like this the character in this movie is like. In order to be a good boss, you have to have the good well, the goodwill of the people under you. So you can be a dick at times, mm-hmm. but you, it's like it's like the stick and the carrot. Yeah, you can't be the stick all the time, and you right. can't be the carrot all the time. And so I think this, I think it. this movie, like where I was kind of like where I thought there were maybe like false moments, is that it was when he's like too over the top all of the time. Do you know what I mean? Well, they rein him in. Sorry. No, yeah. I do think he is like that until the end when he finally realizes that, like, you know, she was just, like, the vice principal who I think also does a great job. And they have that, like, fight in the hallway when she's like, you're thoughtless and, Mm -hmm. like, all this shit. And, like, it does finally get through to him. And, like, that's the other big musical scene when he, like, admits to her that she taught him this lesson and that they're all in it together and then this fucking music teacher sings Lean On Me and the whole fucking school sings it. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. 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 I mean, how do you not feel good watching that? How do you not? Dude, yeah, yeah I don't know. Yeah. I've cried at that scene many times. Wow. It's funny because the, the, <laughs> the song... I, the boy, the I love it. They <laughs> use the song really well in the movie. The song is Bill Withers and like, I feel like Bill Withers' music is like, it's all around. It's, it's like been like over... Like all of his like hit songs have like been in commercials. They've been mm-hmm. like, you, and it's like you almost like forget like this There's was like a reason why this mo- song yeah, is good. <laughs> yeah, it's not like uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. Like the song, it's like I, I feel like now that there's a movie with the same name, like you forget like that the song is just like a great song mm-hmm. un- unto itself in a weird way. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, and I think I think it's more. To be honest with you, I think the song is the the thing that obviously stood the test of time. For like sure. when we when. You know, you say, like, Karate Kid's your favorite movie and Rocky's your favorite movie and stuff like that. I love both of those movies. I'm from Philadelphia. Rocky is, like, one of the best movies of all time. But, like, Lean On Me, most people don't even fucking know it exists anymore. It's crazy. Like, movie, the yeah. movie, this, like, is, this is my first time watching it and hearing about it. Yeah, so, like, it's, it's, it's funny how some, you know, some things stand the test of time. And I think it still does stand the test of time in that it's still good and it still looks good. If you some actually, movies don't look good still. And right. I think yeah. it still does. If you watch it. If you watch this movie, it stands the test of time, but yeah. it hasn't, for some reason, 
in terms of like the the public conversation. Like you don't and is hear it about because this. it's a black movie, you know, Karate I, I Kid wonder, White, nah. Rocky White. But has Karate Kid even stayed to the test? But I also think it's, it's a, a cult classic. But I mean, you, you don't think they have you know White Karate Kid, Black Karate Kid? You think they'd have an Asian by now? That's yeah, where? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> What's he gonna do? Teach himself? <laughs> Paint his own fence? But, but I also yeah. think that I think the politics <laughs> of this movie are are more complex in a good way than like you like I I think if and that might and I just I don't think I think it's easy to say like oh this movie is not as popular because it's like a majority black cast but mm-hmm. I think it's the the politics of the movie are not like your typical kind of like liberal racial politics it's a little bit more complicated than that <laughs> there which is I think, a bit of that which yeah. I think is which I think is a a plus for the movie because the movie is then more complex you're not you don't know at the beginning of the movie even I like I, you're not getting hit over the head with the, the message of the movie necessarily, and mm-hmm. he and he is a, a very flawed. He's flawed. Character. You don't know who the villain is till like the middle, basically. And, and listen, no, but and, I don't ever. Although he is flawed, he also is like that's what they needed. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. It was a fucking war zone. You need yeah, a fucking yeah. dickhead. Like even being a dickhead to the teachers, like even in the beginning, you kind of needed that too. And like he did go too far with some of that stuff, but like. You need it like that type of person. It was that dire. I'm a 76ers fan because I'm from Philadelphia. So how do you feel? And like their coach needs a Joe Clark right now. Like I like their coach, but like sometimes you need someone that's tough. And like in that situation, like that's what I think it was called for. And like, but but that's that's a politically unpopular opinion. I think a lot of the times, but it works. I think you're right. I think you're right. I think it's correct. I mean, another sports analogy real quick. And Peter's going to fall out of the conversation. He knows nothing about sports. I I know plenty of sports. It it always goes weird. when I don't know a lot about football. Well, I was just going to bring a football (laughs) analogy. Well, like people will, um, I'm a New York giants fan. And, um, Tom Coughlin was sort of an over-the-top authoritarian type of coach. Mm-hmm. If you're not five minutes early, you're late type mm-hmm. of thing. Um, and it's interesting because he's he he tried to bring that to other teams and it didn't work. And um, But I think it worked with the Giants, especially the first Super Bowl. Because if you remember the years before, um, the Giants had a really talented team. We had uh, Tiki Barber. Uh, Michael Strahan, Jesse Armstead. Like in the early 2000s, we went to the Super Bowl and got our asses kicked. But we were such an undisciplined team. Like we needed a guy <clears throat> to like be an asshole. And then we won the Super Bowl with a less talented roster. And I genuinely believe the reason why we won is because we had a guy who just didn't take shit from anyone and just believed that they could win if they just yeah. followed the rules. I mean, I mean, and I, it really works in, in, in teams, in schools, in like – even in self-discipline. I think it just depends on the situation. I don't think that every coach has to be a dickhead. No. Like that guy you've just been sure. talking about. Yeah, Tom. He's just face uh, is no. gross. What he a dickhead. Is. All right. Yeah. But, I know yeah, you're no. fence, fine. No, but what I'm just saying in general is like yeah. sometimes I think you need it when uh, desperate times call for desperate measures. Absolutely. And I mean, it doesn't get more desperate than fucking 1987 <laughs> New Jersey crack <laughs> epidemic. Yes. Like, He's hanging the kid off the fucking roof. You smoke crack, don't you? Fucking yeah. jump. Like, yeah. obviously that today... To a 14-year-old. <laughs> be right, but I mean, dude, what the fuck, man? That yeah. guy, he, like, you know, sometimes you gotta hang a 
fucking 14 year old off a roof that kid yeah. was uh he was in a movie juice you ever see juice i yeah, love juice yeah, i yeah. fucking i saw juice in the theater i love that movie and Pretty he cool. he uh i, I remember him for both those movies you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> i remember him from both of those movies and then there's tony todd is like the head of security which now the Candyman sequel just came out so t- oh yeah right. i forgot that was Candyman. yeah that's cool and um there's a couple uh the the, the mom who's like the the Kind of the villain of the movie. That's Lynn Thickman. Yeah. She was. Uh, yeah, she was great. In where this. in the world is Carmen San Diego? Oh, yep. that's right. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where I know. She her actually from. died like young, like in her fifties. Like, ah. mm-hmm. Sick, but she's but she's one of those people that was just like around forever. Um, the one black girl who gets pregnant. Yeah. Uh, she was on like the Cosby Show a little bit. Oh, yeah. Lance, like that girl. She's and, really uh, good. Michael Imperioli is one of the kids that gets thrown out in the beginning of the movie. Yeah, man. I got. I always get like the. The only people I get starstruck by are Sopranos cast members. Not all of them. Do you see them? I've ran into a few over the the course of my journeys. Uh, I ran into him before. Really? And I got a little starstruck on him um, because I love him. I love you, Christopher. (laughs) You better. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I ran into Dr. Melfi, um, which she's great too, obviously. Amazing, Um, yeah. uh, Where'd you run into her? Both of them were through, like, when I was doing background work a few years ago. Yeah. Oh, cool. Cool, yeah. cool, cool. I, uh, I'm a huge Gandolfini guy in general, but Sopranos. Sopranos oh. is... That, Tony Soprano... Best show of all time. He's, he's, that's the greatest television character, television performance, I think. Yeah, I would, I, I would just, like, yes, I agree. If I'm, like, arguing it, I would throw, like, Carol O'Connor for... Uh, on the family, Archie Bunker. You know what's okay. funny? You know what's funny is I had Fair, I had definitely. the same conversation with somebody else, and they said Carol O'Connor, uh-huh. and I and I don't have a, I don't have a problem with that, but I don't think people think about I don't think, I don't think people think about sitcom acting in the same way they don't sure. which is which is it's but not, that's not fair not, really. it's not fair yeah well I mean they're different though I mean yeah I Tony Soprano is a fucking it, it's a more emotional character yeah. to get by I saw yeah. Gandolfini on the boardwalk at the Jersey Shore really and I was walking I, I recognized cool yeah, I, I recognized the back of his head I knew I just knew I was with and it's funny because I was with my brother-in-law and I go I think that's him yeah. and he calls his other brother goes <clears throat> he goes T is right in front of us was this during the show being on <laughs> this was a couple years after okay and uh, he's walking he's with two women and a bunch of little kids and that's the only reason I didn't go say hello to him oh mm-hmm. good and cause I was like you know what he's like with fam like I don't sure. want to bother the guy and, I'm, and I and I I you know I was I was like went to acting school like I've been like I don't want to be like a starstruck fan I want to be like a pe- you know what I mean it's like I, I don't want I don't want an autograph I don't want a photo and then um Years later, I was like, I had just met this girl, and um, we were just like, just friends, and she, uh, she goes, I literally had just met her, so she just was like, she didn't know me that well, but she goes, I have some news that I think is going to be very sad for you. Mm-hmm. Oh, she goes, no. she goes, I just heard that James Gandolfini died. Mm-hmm. And I go, that, yeah, like, that is really yeah. sad. And the first thing I thought of is, like, I wish I would have said hello to him. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't have been like, "Hey, man, you're Tony Soprano," because I, I, re- I remember like reading about like his like, journey. Be respectful, sure. Yeah, yeah, no, because like he. Well, most so- people probably weren't. But though. no, but like I knew there was he was actually there was a New York Times article like years before he broke mm-hmm. about uh, guys who were like off the grid in mm-hmm. New York City, mm-hmm. and he was like a bouncer at the tunnel. Okay. And he basically had all his possessions in a garbage bag, and every couple months he would move from couch to couch. 
So he was like featured in this article. Wow. And when and when the Sopranos broke, like they do like database searches on people, you know, at newspapers. So they searched James Gandolfini and this article, like the New York Times didn't even remember that they had done this. Yeah. And somebody found like, cool. oh, by the way, we've already written an article about this guy from years ago. He was great in true true romance. Oh, uh, so many get shorty, yeah. like he did he great was just actor. like a journeyman. I just rewatched Crimson Tide the other day. Mm-hmm. And uh he's great in that. I remember um, I remember I was at uh the duplex open mic when I found out that he died. So it was like coming up, this was like, I forget what year it was, like 2013, I think he died. Yeah, give or take. So it was like, it was definitely like very early on in me being in New York and the duplex did an open mic on Wednesdays and it was like mostly gay comedians and stuff. Mm. And like, they were just making fun of it and Uh, I was so sad. uh, I was like, this is so uh, fucked up. It's it's like Kobe now, like there's certain things you don't uh, want to joke about. (laughs) Like it's just, I'm so excited. It's just like, you know, like I've had jokes about, I, you know, you can joke about anything, sure. but just like the day it happens and stuff, it's just like a weird time to do it, Yeah, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I get it because it's like, it's hot off the press. Sure. But, yeah. uh, but open, something about open, is the difference between like, oh, yeah. like someone who's really funny doing it and then like at an open mic where 25 fucking amateurs are all doing the same topical fucking bullshit if i was the principal of mm-hmm. comedy high school <laughs> you i want to be so bad i would tell them like yeah. nobody <laughs> nobody wants your hot take you're you're brand new nobody knows who you are they want to find out who you are as a person they don't need your take on yeah. current events yeah Absolutely. i get it but it's also unfair no matter what it's gonna stink because you're just starting so like That's true. i don't know whatever i mean I'm glad I don't have to do open mics anymore. Yeah. Um, I never liked open mics. Like Dude. I started in Philadelphia, so like our open mics were better because there would only be like one a night, and like there would be like people there. There's like, like real shows. Yeah. So like by the time I got up here, well, I was like a few years into comedy, and I was just like, I'd rather just bark. I'm not doing this shit. Like absolutely. I do open mics. I did them a little bit here, but like I, I, I can't. I did one that I know is really tough yesterday on purpose just to like. I did, yeah, it. I did like the Creek open mic not that long ago. I'm like, this is a fucking. There's no reason to do this. I know. Thank I waited. God. Thank you. Thank you. I waited no, two hours to do five minutes. You should do it, but no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's no reason God for me. me to do this. You're not. A, but just, um, all right, whatever. Yeah, it's a little um, inside, but that that there's like a yeah. like an hour long way, longer than that. I mean, how many pe- how many comics are in that room at the Creek Oak? Yeah, Oak man. It's, crazy. Uh, it's just so like definitely crazy. It's I don't. Insane. I mean, I don't know, but I mean, if you're just starting, I get it, yeah. and it, I think it's just like I don't know. You kind of have to, but it's a fucking nightmare. Yeah. I think like it's like it's like Eastside High School in 1987. Well, no, it is. Like, it's, every it's, open mic, like you also have to like just figure out how to survive. Like it's like part of comedy. It's like it's it, it is. I mean, the metaphor is like apt. It's like first you got to make sure everyone's safe and everything is like like the the like basic stuff is is together, and then you could like they're they're just they're literally just trying to pass the basic skills test. It's you, not even like it's not even like. Wow, wow, yeah. wow, I love that you type open mic in. is the basic skills test. It's not right. even like stand and deliver where they're taking the fucking AP calculus test, which I yeah. love that movie too. That I would love actually to do that movie on this podcast. You ever see Stand and Deliver? No, oh, dude, fucking Jaime Escalante. Mm-hmm. Uh, fucking, uh, why can't I think of his name right now? He was uh, in Miami Vice. Uh, Edward James Olmos oh. plays a teacher. I know the movie, but I don't think he's. I it's it also like time. a real teacher. He. Uh, it's it's actually it's like the Latino lean on me. Yeah. Like they, I know what you're talking about. they sent him to uh, to teach at like a like East Los Angeles high school, and all the kids are are bad. <clears throat> and he decides that he's gonna have them all take the AP calculus test. And in like day one of school, they can't do like basic arithmetic. Oh shit! And he's like, "Fuck it!" So 
This is based on a real guy. It's actually very wow. similar. Like, it's funny because this was also like the era when this was happening. There was like a lot of like, like, po- like post seventies. The schools were just kind of like everybody was just like running amok. So there was a lot of these like I feel like in the late mid to late eighties, or there were these like maverick teachers who were like, "Fuck this!" Like we have to do something mm-hmm. radically different. So like Joe Clark and Jaime Escalante were like basically similar characters so he went into east la and he like every one of his students passed the ap calculus test so they thought that they were cheating Mm -hmm. because how could these kids possibly all do this Mm -hmm. so like they invest like the fbi maybe was even involved like for like fraud of like ap calculus tests but um yeah no i like i just i just like caught an episode of like gordon ramsay the other day and again having like a, a like spent years in restaurants i'm like this is exactly what a restaurant needs. Like, you need a general in charge, and every failing restaurant is failing for the same reason. Yeah. Because nobody, it, there's no accountability. You know, it's like there's um, uh, Thomas Keller who owns like French Laundry and like very fam- like per se very famous like chef. I remember reading about him that he like when he when he has his new cooks, they they have to start by cleaning the bathrooms, mm-hmm. and and then they have to do family meal. And every restaurant I ever worked at, they fucking blew off family meal and used to piss us off. Because it's like, you're working with us. Like, why would you make a shit family meal? It's like if, I, if my job was to feed Alex yeah, and fa- I gave you crap. Like, why would I do that to you? Like, right, right. We're mm-hmm. together. Well, family meal is, is when you feed the staff. Yeah. So right, yeah. He's, and Keller says, he goes, he goes, if you don't care about the bathroom being clean and you don't care about family meal being good, how, do I, how am I going to expect you to care about yeah. feeding a bunch yeah, of strangers right. you know and it is it's it's that like it's like it's the army it's chain of command and it's discipline Dude. there's a reason why they fucking wear their uniforms a certain way and they make their beds and they shine their shoes because that shit translates into everything else that you do yeah like every like like job i've had on in like show business or whatever mm. anytime that there's a clear leader things work and mm. like there have been a few times like not that many times but like a like a time or two where like there wasn't and it's like what are we doing here? Like, you need a leader, especially when they're like, there's a bunch of moving parts. Cause, like, you don't know who you're going to. Like, yeah. if you don't have, like, that person in command, like, that's like, I love being in charge, man. It's like yeah, awesome. Me too. And, like, uh, but if I'm not in charge, that's fine. I just want to know who is in charge. Yeah. Right. Well, everyone wants it, like, this hippie fantasy where we're all going to hold it hands work. and solve It's like, it's bullshit. And I, like, when I'm. The, again, like the the younger me was like mouthy and like defiant. Now that I got older, like if I'm not the person in charge, I want to be helping that person to facilitate. It's weird though, because like yeah, I agree with you, but I also don't like it when like because like I've had like assistant jobs and I've had like boss jobs, and no matter what, I always think that like uh, my opinion like matters, but like I also have to like shut the fuck up sometimes. Yeah. But I always hate it when people like try to like be like overly like above or like stuff like that like that always but that's what do you mean up. like what, what would be an example of that i'm trying to give an example that's yeah. right like because it just came up from this conversation but like no, just like fine. when like even if like i'm a like even if i am like in a boss situation mm-hmm. i don't want people to think that like i'm better than them like sometimes right. i hate it when like a boss like acts like they're better or some, yeah some, I think some subtle bad. difference of being a leader and being like a dickhead yeah. It, yeah, I think there's and like that's, that's an insecurity where they want to they want to yeah. prove that they're the boss. That's mm-hmm. insecurity, right? It and comes it's out like, of like uh, a, it's like it's like the mob boss who's like quiet and people are scared of them because they're quiet versus the one who's like a yapping dog and people like the the, the, the guy who's like the yapping dog is like insecure about his authority and yeah. it feels like he has, has to, to put prove. on a show. And like I've had like like the like I've had someone who like 
gets me a lot of my jobs and like he can be tough sometimes but like i know that he just wants it like good like he's like a mm. good like sometimes it's tough but like ultimately it's like i like it because i know that he's in charge and then there have been other places that like people are like real relaxed and the product suffers too yeah like when someone's really like r- like really intense like you know they care at least yeah. right so that's what i like again in my like peripheral like uh experience with show business again it's like the it's not the like artsy fartsy guy it's the guy who like treats it like it's like a team sport it's like showing up for practice like being you know working well with others like i always say like with like this is like comedy is like the perfect like example like jay leno got to tonight show not just because he was a good comedian but because they could count on Jay Leno. Do you know what I mean? Like dependability like, goes along. And way, NBC but. wanted wanted to be in the Jay Leno business. And a lot of times a guy can be a brilliant performer, a brilliant artist, but a network doesn't want to be in that business. Like they're handing over the reins of their network to a person. And whether it's a movie where you're giving a guy a hundred million dollar budget mm-hmm. or, you know, a spe- like someone like running a TV show, like you're going into business with these people so whether or not their artist is great but like you got to deliver the fucking goods like you have to be on time you have to do things you have to be mindful of people's money mm-hmm. is another thing like that's a lot of these guys flame out because they fucking because pe- people are the people with the money are tired of blowing their money mm-hmm. you know like i think like norm mcdonald i love norm mcdonald and i think he would make a great talk show host but you know that one day he's just not going to show up. Oh, for sure. There's going to be. A- I mean, he he has been a talk show host, so of it's like it just yeah, it's like one of those things that uh, they f- it's it's not sustainable for long periods of time. We'll just go in and out. Yeah, like, I mean, and, and it's and with him, he's so talented and and you know one of a kind that it's like a beautiful flame out. But yeah. it, it, it is a flame out. He's like on another. He's on another out. frequency. Yeah. But yeah. but again, yeah. like they don't they don't want to like the, the people who pay like write the checks. I mean, that he sh- famous makes him makes him very nervous. norm, especially. He's like one of my favorites to just watch, and just because I think I just think because sometimes I think like you know he's so funny, but like if you just if you don't understand comedy or if you're not like a comedy fan and you're just like reading his jokes, you would be like, what what is what is this like inane nonsense? But yeah. it's just there's some spark about him that makes him so fucking funny. Delivery, energy, it's all these the things. Voice, Every, his yeah. point of view, everything, and uh, and uh, uh, I I just think it's crazy. Like his real life stories, like you know, how he like famously lost like. Didn't he like win two hundred fifty thousand dollars and just threw it in the river? He, sa- he said he's lo- he, he's he lost it. everything he's had at least three times. Yeah, well, he's a gambler too. Right? Yeah. No, but like he literally. I don't like talking about millionaire comedians. Okay. No. Fuck <laughs> 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 those know. guys. No, in They're the sense no. of like, I don't know why I should have an opinion on Norm Macdonald. Like in that extent of like. Uh, oh, so like, like I'm obsessed know. with him. I, I like I, him too. I yeah. love him. I'm, I just yeah. saw I just saw Louis last week. Oh. On Thursday. Where did you see him? Uh, at the State Theater in New Brunswick. Was Kevin Brennan there? Yes. Opening? Yes. Oh, nice. I, I, I opened for Kevin Brennan a couple months ago, and then he told me like funny stories about opening for Louis. Mm-hmm. And so I was like super excited that, that he was there. Adrian, cool. Adrian Appalucci was there. Oh, nice. Okay, okay. I, love, I think she's one of the funniest she's great. people. She really doesn't give a fuck in the best way. I love yeah. that. Yeah, and cool. uh, Cypher Sounds was there. So he had three guys open, and then, he, then Louis did an hour. Mm-hmm. And it was fucking – it was 1,800 people. It was sold out. It was incredible. I think, I think Louis is my favorite of all time now. Like seeing that on on like Thursday, I'm like, 
he's the best. Like he really is the best. He's really good at what he does. He's man. a really yeah. good comic, man. <laughs> and he's just like no doubt so about it. smart. And but again, like but also like and like because Louis is a good example too of like somebody who like all his opportunities came from what he's good at outside of being a good stand-up comedian. Well, he learned how to do everything. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. Yeah. So he knew, Shot, he knows, he knows lenses, he knows editing, oh, he knows show running, like, mm-hmm. yeah. he knows how to be the boss. Mm-hmm. Um, he would have made a hell of a fucking high school principal. No. Probably not. not. No. no. <laughs> I don't know. Would have jerked off on all the kids? No. Oh, no, Lord. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think it had to be said. <laughs> there'd, be, there'd be... A fucking Bill Withers song about that. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Like, lost yeah. my train of thought. No, no. in our lives, <laughs> we always want to show openers our penis. Yeah. So How long fun. have you been in New York, Tom? Huh? Uh, I moved here the day after Hurricane Sandy. Wow. So, oh, wow. Yeah, November 1st, 2012. Interesting. So, cool time to, to Eight get here. Eight years ago. Yeah, yeah I, remember, I remember Hurricane Sandy very well. Yep, and I was coming up here for like a year, like, Literally the year previous to that on November first, I was like coming up like once or twice a week, and then that's a very Philly thing, huh? There's all the, all these like Philly guys have stories of like going back and forth for a long time until they decide to like take the plunge and yeah, for a year I was like kind of like it just took me a while to find somewhere to live. Like I think yeah. when you're not here, it's a little bit harder. Um, yeah, you're not like connected and dialed in. Yeah, but uh, yeah, man. So it's been a while now. I went to Philly for the first time in like 15 years, like three weeks ago. Where did you, you go? I stayed in the. I had shows in uh, Westchester University. Uh, uh, in the in the the club is like like run out of a restaurant in Westchester. I went to college in Westchester, so uh, it was like some. I forget the name of the restaurant. It's a Reactors Comedy Club, and like they had. I think they're still they're trying to find like a permanent home, so they're kind of like floating. Okay, but um, they uh, my buddy lives in like the old part of town. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Pine Street, like right in the like the middle of like all the where I, the for, campus is. Uh, Pine Street sounds familiar. I mean, it's just like there's the town of Westchester. No, no, I'm saying in the old part of Philly. So I I oh, stayed yeah, I bad. stayed in Philly so that I could do the shows in oh, Westchester. Oh, Pine Street in Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. cool, cool, cool. And uh, I was like, I saw the Rocky old st- city. Yeah. yeah, so I I saw the Rocky statue for the first time. Oh, really? that's cool. And uh, I dr- I drove down the Italian market. Like and again, I don't know how all this time I'd never like done this. Like I just hadn't been there. It's fucking great though. Yeah, it's funny just because uh, I mean Philadelphia is so for comedy. Like it's a really good place to start. I think I'm glad I started there. But it's it's funny how insulated it is, and it's its own little community. It is, and it's so fucking close. It's yeah, like two hours. It's I've not never been far there. away. It's like <laughs> it's like you know like yeah. sometimes I go there like like when I had to like get like just like something done there like i could go there like early in the morning and be back in the afternoon from taking the fucking bus like it's yeah, not right. even like that uh difficult but uh yeah i mean it's a great city but i'm glad i don't live there anymore i've been i've been working <laughs> at like other towns in in Shouts pennsylvania philly. yeah never, i love I'm, philly it's know, just like it's not you can't you can't grow you can really. but you can't compare it to new york no Dude, I mean, just like yeah. like people I'm on shows with, like that's right. see how you get good. Like yes. being on shows with really good comedians, it's 100%. literally the only way that it happens. Yeah, at least for me. So like, no, uh, no, for sure. yeah, man. No, but but a cool town and a town that I would definitely like to spend more more time. In. <laughs> I think there's a reason why a lot of amazing, you know, really famous comedians have come out of Philly, and even just like in the New York scene that maybe aren't like the most famous famous. Well, because it's like 
Uh, Philly comics are always like killers. It's a blue collar town. Yeah. It's an ethnic town, and yeah. it, it's like there's the tradition of ball breaking. And yeah. they appreciate comedy too. Yes. Like I'm glad I started at the Laugh House. That's a black comedy club. Perfect. So like it's kind of like really to be honest with you, like Lean on Me probably is like the beginning of me being like. I love black people and they're so cool and like I just want to be friends with black people. I just always have gravitated toward black people and yeah. always just thought they were the best and like coolest and stuff and like Well they are. I mean Yeah. Yeah. It's and pretty objective. Like, yeah. Like there was a white comedy club in Philadelphia, Helium. I didn't right. start there. I started at the black comedy yeah. club. Mm-hmm. And I think it is really I could direct it completely back to lean on me. I did mocha wow. I did mocha last night. You ever do mocha? Um in Harlem? Yeah. Uh I like back in the day. I did it like again. I did, oh, I did Harlem Nights, I I went there. which I haven't done in a long time. I've and, done that, and I went so late that the like the crowd was like had decided that they were done with comedy at that point. Mm-hmm. So which is so, so it's really hard time That's to fun. do it. And uh, and then I did Mocha, which I hadn't done forever. And there was like an altercation afterwards. But like <laughs> I, lo- I love I love black rooms too because like you you know exactly oh, where it. you stand. Yeah, they will just start talking like you're not there. Oh yeah, I uh, yeah man, I it's one of those things too. Like I don't do it. Like I used to, like for the first year of comedy, that's all I did. Oh, yeah, and then like you know, you learn like how to not be scared. Like so, that's cool. Like I can perform in front of black crowds better than most people, just yes. because that's where I started. It's like Bane. I was born in the darkness. <laughs> <laughs> like, but to be honest with you, when I do black rooms now, which isn't that frequently, like it's hit or miss. Like, yeah. I, I can get them like up top, right? But keeping them for like the whole time, like I did. I did a few benefit shows for my friend who passed away, R.I.P. Chris Cotton, very oh, funny Philadelphia comedian. Rest in peace. I performed yeah. him one time, but he was the nicest dude. Yeah, very rest nice, in peace. very funny man. He but was like, great. Like, I did one benefit show. The last benefit show I did, I think I did. I don't know how many I did, but I did a few. Right. And I went back to Philadelphia a couple times, and the first one was like good and stuff, but like black shows too. This show that I was on was like four hours long. Cause oh, like everybody wow. wanted to be on it, and yeah. I get it. Right. And like the host was doing like 10 or 15 minutes in between comedians. Oh, God. Dude, I'm go- and <laughs> he's a really funny comedian, sure, man. Sure. But still, I went on like hour three, right? Yeah. Had them up top, right? Really? And I only did like 10 minutes. But like, let's say minute seven, I have a joke about my friend, like that I wrote after he passed away. And okay. it's about how someone painted a white angel wings I saw that painting on his drawing and I was like I don't know if he would want white angel wings <laughs> yeah. like, and it's like about what color uh, a black angel would want their wings <laughs> okay and like it fucking like dude I like like it <laughs> Did bombed it, it bombed in front of <laughs> but, and then like it bombed in front of his family, family. <laughs> and then my nephews there it was like my sister and my dad oh, no. and like I'm just like my point is like I from that moment on yeah. I, what can you do to me? Like I bombed on my friend who died's benefit show in front of my family and his family. Like it doesn't get any crazier than that. Yeah, like I, it's funny because I was just thinking like comedy is is so like funny and weird. Like this like Saturday I did. There's a club in in PA that I do, and they um they booked another show which was like a fundraiser for like a fire department so we had to like drive 25 minutes to like a fucking restaurant to do show number one of the night Mm -hmm. and it was literally like the most redneck place and i grew up like in a very redneck area 
And so, but for something like I, those audiences like bother me more. Mm-hmm. Like if everybody is white in the room and they're all just kind of like, I know they're not going to get like my really <laughs> like kind of like urban, not urban like urban or like urban like more city kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And like I the wanna, actual meaning. And like a lot urban. of my jokes are like wordplay, and I'm like, are they even going to get like why the thing I'm saying is funny? So I do that, and it actually goes better than I thought it was going to go, and that was Saturday. And then last night, I'm in Harlem doing two like bar shows that are notoriously like tough. And I'm like, what a, what, what a funny thing. Like, what other business are you literally going – like where your performance is rated by people who have no idea what you're even yeah. – like, like they get yeah. to decide whether you're good or not I on, know, a, on that, any given night. And that's what's amazing about it. Like. It's all about consistency. Like anybody can be good once or yeah, twice. Yeah, and, and, and I did like, okay at Mocha's. I got a, I got a couple. Like a couple people were just like blank stares, but I got. And I was like, oh, this is this is why I came here. This is what I came. Yeah. I came to see if I could do okay in this notoriously sure. tough room because to me it's a it's a workout. My friend Monroe says Monroe Martin, who's a funny comedian. Yeah, I don't he's think great. He says it anymore, but he did say it, and it's something that sticks with me. It's like, uh, and I kind of agree with it, and it's even more so in a black room. I think if you're not killing, you're bombing. Ooh, like that's brutal. it's like you know, like just like 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 even you and I, I do it too. It's like oh, I did okay. It's like all right, but we're doing stand up comedy for black yeah. people. Like right. yeah. you're either killing <laughs> yes. or you're bombing. Yeah. Like yeah, even yeah, like yeah. I had them up top, and then like dude, even that show that I like was just saying about like yeah. this thing happened to me. Yeah, where like my mouth got dry. Oh, <laughs> like yeah. that doesn't even happen. And I just like finished one joke. I told a joke, and I was like, "All right, bye." And like I didn't even try. Like it was like there's something about like that type of crowd that can really get you, dude. That was the day Kobe died too. Oh, like, oh my god! It was like Jeez. so much shit Jesus. of like, why the fuck am I even like? I mean, like I get it, but like it was just like so much shit. And like, but to me, especially in black rooms, if you're not killing, you're bombing, baby. There's yeah. no in, in the middle. Yeah. If you're not it's- winning, you're losing. You're right. We're doing stand-up comedy for black people. The people around the corner should be like hearing what's going on in there. Well, and that's what's so great about black crowds, though. Like they are really tough, but, but when they, they give, it, give up. it up, man, oh, yeah. it's fucking like, good night. You have a few people run out of the room, dude. It, I, I mean, like, it's unbelievable. Like when, like, like after like a comedy show, if like an old black guy's like, "Yo, good shit, man," oh. I'm like, "Yo, thank you." <laughs> I, I even say it in my act, like to me, like starting at a black club, like. Black laughter means more to me. It does. Like black laughter matters. Yeah, I've said that on stage before, where where a group, where I've made a, a group of black people laugh, and like maybe like I don't know, you know, in a, in a in an area where it's like either New York or Atlantic City, where it's a mixed racial group. Yeah, and like if the black people are laughing, I'm always like, it's really important to me that the black people are laughing. You and know, like like I don't really care that they're white sure. people. Aren't. And from the opposite of that, forget audiences for yeah, a second. Sure. Black comedians Woo. are so much funnier. It's objective. It's not even fucking close. Like it's like the NBA. It is like, like the NBA, dude. Like it, they're just better. At they're much better at comedy. It is what it is. It man. is what it Chappelle's is. Chappelle's the greatest comedian of all time by far. And it's but like, he, he's he's the most talented. One of the best writers. I mean, you but all the categories. He just yeah yeah. I mm-hmm. like my like I love like an audience that's like black people and ethnic white people. It's the plain white people. I like a mix, that I, man, yeah. Yeah, the plain white people are... Yeah, like waspy white people. Yeah, Dude, the worst like, comedy audience... I think are old tr- white people, like, though, are good crowds, though, because sure. they're not, like, sensitive and shit. Yeah. Like, I think waspy and, like, sometimes, like, that old, like, like middle-class white people crowd, they, they can be pretty fucking good, too. I mean, it just depends. Like, well, here's the worst. The worst person... I think I don't know. I'd be surprised if you guys don't agree. Is a loud, drunk white woman yeah, of any age? 
a loud drunk white woman or a group of loud drunk white women of really of any yeah. age unless like elderly but then you're not that loud mm-hmm. that I, is either they're gonna ruin the show by heckling or yeah. just like or elderly just, no i'm no i'm saying i'm saying like um of any age but i guess except not elderly because you can't really be <laughs> okay, like okay, that yeah, annoying yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought, you're not gonna be that loud a I line guess, i but. thought like an ironic line i thought i was like i was like i want my my special to like i want to fill my special in like my ideal scenario which is a room with eight people at least one black woman with her arms crossed yeah. because this was not her idea to do this tonight. Mm-hmm. And then one drunk white woman just going, that's not true. Oh, that's, no. That didn't exactly. really happen. Exactly. <laughs> Is that a I'm, special or a fever dream? Yeah, that <laughs> sounds like a fucking nightmare. <laughs> that sounds like, that, actually, that sounds like Monday from yeah. this past Monday. <laughs> that, yeah, both yeah. of those scenarios have happened to me recently. Yeah, same. Yeah. Uh, which, but again, it's just part of like the beauty of, of live entertainment. You never know what you're fucking going to get. Absolutely. Dude, that Chris Cotton story, is. It, thanks for sharing that. That that the where your mo- where your mouth got dry and everything. I mean, I uh, I totally felt that. And to like That's be honest with story. you, like uh, like it really like in the moment, I was just like, I was like, what the f-? like? And then I had to just drive home to New York <laughs> with my friend who was on the show too. Yeah. Like, but like, which whatever, it's fine. Who cares that I bombed? But it's more of just like, uh, it ultimately strengthened me because it's yes. like it can't how can it get worse than this it, it's, it's impossible emotionally yeah as, it's as like, a performer um yeah. so like yeah <laughs> oh and you're still crushing it and and chris would have laughed he probably would have laughed that you bombed he might have i don't know he might not like the joke maybe I don't oh know. i'm not I think even he would saying like that it. but i think he would yeah, have yeah, just yeah. laughed to see his and buddy even, up there like yeah, fucking yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no for sure for sure yeah. for sure yeah absolutely he was a fucking sweetheart yeah man he was Good fella. Yeah, I, I have to say, I was when I found out we were doing this movie, I was like, I don't know if I really want to rewatch this movie. But now I'm glad. Fantastic. Like now I understand why, and it's it's cool that we have the Karate Kid, Lean on Me, connect and Rocky connection because I didn't yeah. I, cause, again because I didn't make that connection until I went back and looked yeah. at the movie. And like again, Morgan Freeman like just went on to be like a monster star yeah and then After he fucked this, his granddaughter yeah it was, he, he got in a car accident with her wait what wait, like step granddaughter or a real granddaughter yeah, i think it was a step granddaughter uh, he was dating his step he like runs like a blues club might have been in mississippi step niece or something yeah oh man we're hey, tainting man. my i didn't know he got into a car accident with her in the car and they were like she was like 16 was and he's like 80 ah, i don't think she was 16 and she was i think she was like 20 yeah let's well, not say 16 age is a age is a number but 20 20 and fucking they tried, 80 to, is they tried to me too Morgan Freeman yeah. but on some like bullshit like it was like it was an interview that they took out of context and they were like this isn't even it's like a girl was pregnant and he was like making some sort of comment but it was like fine no Morgan Freeman good yeah hey, man, oh yeah didn't he like take compliment- Morgan Sorry. come on didn't he, didn't he, he like complimented her for being he said yeah it was something very it was like it was like in the heat of the Me Too shit like right. it was re- right. it was people like people were fucking foaming at the mouth it was corona level right yeah. now Me Too type shit right. um, and like they tried to get him but it didn't work I remember that they were they were tossing names out every day that was yeah. a wild time this is a wild time right now I too. know dude could it's we- fucking 68 degrees in the first week of March and fucking there's a apparently a fucking a deadly virus deadly I think virus. I think the heat's gonna kill the the virus well, who are you, Trump? I don't believe in germs oh, anymore. Christ. The older I get, uh, no, I don't. I think it's way overblown, and I think no, dude, it's it, bad. Uh, I think in a we year, need Morgan Freeman to come in. We need. I Morgan think in a Freeman. year from now, we're going to find out that uh, I think this is about them learning. I, I think 
there whatever you're about to say is gonna be some dumb no, shit. No, no, dude. it's not. It's what what's novel about one hundred percent what's novel funny. about this disease is the way that it's spreading and what's happening. So I think this, yeah. the the people whose job it is to track this kind of stuff and learn from this stuff are studying it because they want to they want to learn what's going on so i think that's the thing that's more more unique versus it being like oh if I, you breathe on me i'm gonna die uh-huh. well it's also killing four percent of people infected globally which is and it's the, the way it spreads is immediately without symptoms and through the air four percent globally uh 3.4 percent now Oh, okay. Now it's three point four. Let me ask you again. Now what is it? Yeah, two point six. Point six is a big thing when you're talking about billions of people. Yeah, well, that I mean, you could look online right now. It's part pretty of fucking me thinks bad. it's completely overblown and it's complete bullshit. And then I think another part of me thinks that like I think there's something we don't know. Yeah, yeah. Because oh, like, there there's, is. like there's like something that that the people up there do mm-hmm. know and we don't know, and that's and why they're freaking out. I, I mean, it seems like it. Dude, whenever but, the market's crashing as bad as it is, it's real. This yeah. is not fake. I also dude. think that like. We're way do, too dependent on other. It's like, global. We're globalized, what, dude. We can't what, go back now. Well, I don't want to have. You could go back. You could go back. I think we need. <laughs> they need to bring manufacturing back to the United States. Oh, uh, anyway, I mean, I don't think that that shouldn't be a controversial position. I, it's just it's um, not happening. But American made, baby. What's wrong with that? Yeah, hmm? someone's got to make it. Yeah, we're too like it's it's good to be interconnected, mm-hmm. but when you're too when you're too interconnected and you're too reliant, one thing on every, could you know ruin because the whole also chain. it's like there's yeah. a lot of like mon- monoculture, so that like one one place produces all of one thing and another place mm-hmm. that's not good. Like if you go back to like like neighborhoods, like w- not too long ago, you had the butcher in the neighborhood, you had. Yeah. The, and then now they have it where everything is like they're all of the butchers are in one like all the meat comes from one place and all that and that's not good that's not a natural environment and i i am not arguing i agree that's a better you know ecosystem but yeah. i'm just saying it is what it is at this point having, we are globally connected having grown and, up on a farm if you plant the same plant that's why you, they do right, crop rotation right. if you plant mm-hmm. the same plant over and over again it George strips, Washington Carver figured that it out it strips the resources crop of the rotations. soil and you have to and then you all of a sudden you can't grow can't anything plant anymore. cotton over cotton over cotton year after year after year it fucking tears up the, the soil yeah. George so, Washington Carver if mm-hmm. i mean i've been i've been ready for the zombie apocalypse for a long time so well we can still do the podcast, right? We I, I, yeah, remotely. There's all that's left, man. <laughs> so yeah. this will be this will be. Tim Dillon had like was like joking on his podcast. He goes, he goes. I'm hoping that everyone just is in their apartment making Doing podcasts. podcasts. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't it's even come out to shows anymore. Yeah, but uh, um, no, Tom, this has been great. I, like, uh, I mean, I've met you like like in passing real quick, mm-hmm. but that's the first time like really getting to know you, which is awesome to have you on. What uh, what do you want to plug while you're here? Yeah, thanks for having me, man. This was fun. Yeah, dude, I anytime. Like about movies and shit. And yeah. uh, I have an album coming out, a comedy album on uh, You Lucky Dog Productions. Beep, beep, it beep, beep. Uh, comes out on March 20th. Yes. Uh, and you can pre order it right now on iTunes, but it'll be available digitally uh, everywhere. And I got like a like a non music video that I showed you guys before. Yes. That, that, uh, it's fantastic. I'm just trying to kind of get the views up on that to help promote the, the album. Link. We will. So uh, yeah, man. That's what's so what's your on. what's your uh, what's your social media where they could find the video and all that type of shit? Uh, Instagram, Twitter, all that shit. Cassidy Comedy. Keep it real simple, baby. Cassidy Comedy. K S C A S S I D Y Comedy. And um, so uh, glad my last name's not spelled with a K. I know, right? Uh, what is what is the uh, the special call? It's called Funny Matic. It's right. like uh, based off of my favorite rap album, Illmatic. Oh, uh, I saw that. That's the cover. We must be 
friend. Uh, well, maybe I followed Someone you on Instagram. Someone probably shared I saw it, that, too. And okay. I, I, it made me laugh because I love, I fucking love that album. Well, I'll follow you back. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Now you can. Yeah, man. Uh, it follows kind of that like uh, loose narrative. But obviously, from my perspective, uh, it's got 10 tracks. It's only 26 minutes. It's real quick. And, oh, hell uh, yeah. I love that. But the tracks line up really well with Illmatic. Uh, Fuck. Title-wise and some kind, in, in some sort of way, subject matter, too. So. I did not know you were doing that at all like that. That's cool, man. Yeah. That's really cool. Shout out to Queensbridge Militia. Tom's hilarious. Definitely download his album. I'm downloading it. I'm going to throw him man. a couple bones and buy the album. Nice. Yeah. Let's try and get it like number one on iTunes. That's the plan, man. I'm going to just say it and put it out into the world. Even it's going to happen. Even if it's for a moment. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to happen. Number it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. dope. Yeah, man. Uh, Peter, you got anything? Uh, the 20th and 21st. This is coming out on Thursday, yeah, next right? Thursday. Yeah, so the 20th- next Thursday. Uh, oh, this Thursday. Oh, yeah, this Thursday. This Thursday. Uh, so next week, the 20th and 21st, I'll be featuring at Wisecrackers in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah. One, one of the Pennsylvania places I've been going to. Do you know who you're featuring for yet? Uh, I don't remember okay, the name fine. off the top of my head. Um, I was just with Sean Patton in uh, Wilkesbury this past weekend, which was really cool. And I'd never Love met Sean. him. Not, I'd never met him before. Fucking Hilarious. great, great so guy. Funny. Really good. Did you tell him about the pod? Uh, mm, I should have, but I didn't. F- it's okay. The, the man. moment didn't. I will next time I see him. It's okay. I feel like in comedy, the multiple points of contact are good. So like, oh, next yeah. time I run into him, I'll be like, "Hey, man." You don't want to seem too eager. No, you don't. Yeah, it's yeah. just because I'm. I, I'm I've pretty close game. with him at this point. That uh, if you were to, it, it, he'll do it. He'll do the podcast. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. But it was literally like the first time working with him, first time meeting him. I was like, just play a little cool. Oh yeah, no, no, good job, good job. Um, and you were hosting, right? Yeah. yeah, and uh, that's where we did the show, like literally, like in this fucking redneck bar mm-hmm. in Pennsylvania. It was, <laughs> it was like, it was interesting, and I, and it was fine. It, it, that was my bias, being like, oh, they're not gonna like me, and then it was just fine. Right. Uh, but yeah, that's it. So yeah, checkers all in town. I got um, well, yeah, I'm gonna be at the stand tomorrow. If this, if you're no, if you're listening to this on Thursday, it's tomorrow uh, on Josh Weston's show. It's gonna be fun. Gold. Uh, eleven thirty at the stand. But the big thing, uh, aggressively chill comedy show. We got another date, March twenty fifth. That's Wednesday, March twenty fifth at eight o'clock at Cherry Tree Bar in Brooklyn, sixty five Fourth Ave, Brooklyn. And I've done that show. You have gets the Tom Cassidy stamp of approval. Thank you. (laughs) Great little room. That room is really nice. Cool place. We pack it out. You know, fun times. Yeah, Yeah. man, for sure. And you did. You did very well. Thanks for doing it. I appreciate it. both of you guys are welcome anytime. So, yeah, I produced that with Dean David. Uh, and we got a good lineup. I think we have Nico White on, who's doing a Netflix special soon, which is yeah. pretty tight. Um, Carly Aquilina, who's also on, or Aquilino, I'm saying her name wrong. Um, of course, Dean and myself, and a few other really good stand ups. It's going to be a fun show. Um, yeah, that's all I got. All right. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye.